Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Good morning, traders. I hope you guys are ready to get to it again with none other than the best morning show to watch and get all your market knowledge that you guys need to go ahead and trade the day. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep, guys. we got another great show for you guys. We're going to talk about rotation from value to growth. We'll get into the crypto brokerage, Voyager Digital. We'll talk about DoorDash and Amazon, what you guys should know about that. Microsoft news starting to hit the tape there on potentially a probe there in the UK. We'll talk about that. And, of course, lockup in Carvana. What's going to happen? It, it definitely did get a nice boom yesterday. And, of course, we got our guest today. We got Al Kleiss, Managing Director of Kleiss Commodity Advisors. So hit the thumbs on up. Let us know you guys are ready in the chat. And let's get it started with pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right. Good morning, guys. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on Dennis Dick and Joel Conan and get into the futures action. What's going on overnight, Joel? Uh, we're in the red by 16 and a half handles at 38.17.50. Snuck up to close to 38.50. Couldn't hold that. Hey, kind hey of- Joel, Joel, I know you're an ape, but we got to take off AMC. We got to look at the ES. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. AMC. <laughs> we now know what Joel know. likes. That's the real driver of the market. It's AMC has always been the driver of this market. Yep. I just got to go grab a banana. Uh, Down 17 handles, 38.17. Crude, what a call by Citigroup, Dennis. Holy Toledo. Mm. Now it's up 44 cents at 99.92. Can it recover triple digits? Uh, Gold down 190, 17.62. You know why gold's mounting? Because there's no inflation out there. Um, Silver. That's up 8.4 cents at 19.21. Bitcoin back under 20K, down 425 at 19.965. Ethereum futures, they're in the red too. They're down 19.50 at 11.25. Uh, Triple D, uh, did quiet night? What was going on out there? There were no, some fireworks no. out there, I imagine. It was quiet. It's been The nights have been kind of quiet until you get past 8 o'clock. You know when the fireworks start? It's always when Europe opens. It seems like there's, you know, kind of quiet, kind of quiet. We're really taking our cues here from Europe. Yep. Again, another, and if you look just here, it's happening again and again and again. Another down day for the European banks, Deutsche Bank. Mm. Nice little rally in the afternoon after after the european market closes and that's when we really started to take off you know we close around and and obviously in the afternoon when europe is closed that's when we mounted most of a rally and then europe reopens and then we start selling off again so europe's got some problems here right now um you can just look at the european banks and you know we talked about this yesterday it's scaring me that you know they're obviously pricing in a recession but their stocks are getting hit really hard especially the banks Deutsche Bank's now $7. You got to go back if you want to find the $7 level. You're going back. Well, I guess during the COVID crisis, obviously in 2020, we were down there. But rising interest rate environments you'd think would be good for the banks, but it's not good if we go and throw throw them into a recession. So that's where we're at right now here, recession concerns. That's why you saw also the rotation from value to growth yesterday as well as the banks continue to get hit. All the crowded value trades continue to get hammered. And the uncrowded growth trades get some love yesterday. Hmm. Deutsche Bank down again. Uh, COVID low. Wait, we're not at the COVID low yet. 
Uh, next, ooh, boy, eight bucks looks like an important, just a technical level here, and we are now under eight dollars. Uh, I think this is probably, I mean, look at the U.S. banks, they're they're not much different. Um, you know, ties to the European banks. What else do we have? We have Barclays, right? BCS, right? And uh, what else? We have RBC, no, no, not RBC. What's the other one up there? Which oh, one? you're thinking it's not even on the board anymore. Royal Bank of Scotland, or BS. Okay, okay. Um, and what else do we have over there? DB, ING, BCS. Okay. You got Banco Santander, SAN. Um, which one? Of them? I'm missing the big one. Credit Suisse, CS. They're all just hammered. Five bucks, Credit Suisse now. Five bucks. Wow. I mean, Holy mackerel. You're looking at a $29 stock back in 2015. It's $5. CS is making new lows. There's problems here. And this, don't kid yourself, if you have some of these European bank problems, don't kid yourself. This affects the U.S. banks as well. They're all in bed with each other. And I think the US, the our U.S. banks continue to go down every day because they're taking their cues from these European banks. So it's a world economy now. We're all, they're all lend to each other. And if for whatever reason one of these European banks gets into trouble, it's going to be a contagion effect as well. That's what we saw back during the financial crisis. We're not even close to that yet, so don't worry about you know those issues. There's bigger fish to fry here. But you know, is there a possibility of a recession? Yeah, big possibility. Is there a possibility that Europe's in a recession already? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the considerations here. That's why the banks keep going down despite higher rates. If we avoid a recession, if the Fed can navigate the soft landing somehow, that those things can change. But you can clearly see the money is coming out of financials and money is going into where it's not crowded. I mean, this is what money does. It crowds, it crowds trades and everybody piling into utilities and the oil stocks and the value trade two, three months ago. That's all coming unraveled here. And where has it already been unraveled? It's been unraveled in the emerging markets, which are now approaching, you know, three month highs. Um, well, well, I shouldn't say that with uh, Baba is approaching a three month high, certain stocks. Um, and some of these growth tax stocks, like we've been saying, you know, I said it on the show, I've been saying it for a week and a half. I actually said it back in May. I think ARKK 2022 low is in. Ripped, ripped, ripped higher yesterday. So those, if we're going to turn it around, it's going to be actually the growth tech that leads us out of this. Um, I'd buy those stocks on pullbacks. I did a little nibbling in the long-term portfolio. I'm down to, I think it's 39% cash now. So I was at 52 at one time. I'm nibbling. Just keep nibbling. I bought some Meta. I bought my Marvell technology, which I had sold higher. I bought that back yesterday. We know I bought my Amazon back. I'm slowly, the stuff that I was selling, you know, earlier in the year, I'm buying those stocks back. I'm not going all in because I still think there's a lot of risk out here, but I'm still nibbling on stocks. And the nibbling sectors that I'm going into is technology here. Because you know why? Nobody's coming. If you're going to a recession, you're not buying a brand new car. But technology, a lot of this technology stocks, you know, are selling stuff that isn't as expensive. So that's the consideration that I'm looking at. And I think technology is an uncrowded trade right now. Already had its bear market back, you know, May when we were selling every stock, you know, and Square was making new lows. I mean, these stocks have already been hit really, really hard. So is there the possibility that they could get a relief rally here? Yeah. Is there the possibility that, you know, we've seen the lows? It's possible. I don't know that. Nobody knows anything. But I think the time to be 100% cash is past us. And I know you're not seeing it in the overall market. But there are sectors that are showing you that, hey, maybe it's time to get a little bit more risk on. Uh, it was it was the tech that led us out of it. I mean, Amazon, uh, that even held up pretty – that held up in the morning. And what I kept on looking at uh, was where were we in relations like to Friday's low, right? And the S&Ps came down and uh, kissed Friday's low. Now we have a uh, – Dare I say a triple bottom down there at uh, 3740 area? I mean, this is it. This is the key. I, if we could just, I know we have earnings season coming up and uh, what we have some Fed speak today, right? Um, Fed minutes, Mitch. Do we have some Fed yes, minutes yes, today? Yes, we have the FOMC. Yeah, so. Minutes yeah. going to be released at 2 p.m. Yeah, Eastern, so, so, I mean, he'll say this is what's going to happen. He's going to say something negative, and then we're going to drop pretty hard, and then well, we're going to buy speaking. it up. Remember, it's the meeting from It's June. just the minutes. Okay, yeah, just so the they're going to hit it on the minutes, 
and then they'll see if they can bring it back up. But mm-hmm. I'm more worried about 37-45 than – I mean, that's I just can't stop thinking. That's mm-hmm. level of levels. If we, we take that out, then I think it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to take out the low of the move here. I, I think – and I'm on the complete opposite end of this, Joel. I think the rally in growth and, you know, we, we've sold off. We've priced in a lot mm-hmm. of risk. I believe that the next week's CPI number is going to be, be soft. soft. I believe it's going to be. So I want to start being positioned where I don't want to be 100% cash. I don't want to be heavy cash into that number. Am I going to be all in? Never all in. Um, You know, diversification has always been the key to my investing. But I just think that there's, you know, a lot of pricing that has come down. I mean, lumber has come significantly lower. You know, we're now seeing oil start to come down. Is it going to show up in this data? Some of it might start showing up. We're not going to see a number like 6 or 7, but they're saying like 8.6. Could we see a number 8.2, 8.1, just lighter than expectations? I think we could. And I think the market would applaud that. If we see something with a 7 on it, I mean... Katie, bar the door. That, to the upside. Yeah. So yeah, no, if we it. see I... a 9, if we see a 9, then it's completely this different. Is so. the only, my only concern is... When uh, CPI data is taken, right? I talked about it, that it's taken in the early part of the month. And I didn't think we saw that letting up in the commodities and the oil at least until mid mid of June and going into the end of June. So I think it might take one more month. But one thing I'll always state is I always try to kind of follow Dennis. And I think about the time in the pandemic. It's not that Dennis is always right, but I always think that Dennis is usually kind of getting there he might be a little bit early and that's okay too and you hear him there i, he, I come in early smart. a lot of times yeah he's being smart early. he's like i'm not i'm not going full in already i want the market to tell me that the idea is confirmed and the conviction can come in there um but hey you guys see it with arkk we're seeing that bounce there it, it's okay to take some shots of course always understanding your risk and i think that's where definitely dennis understands that I mean, I've, I'm in here. I'm in the gutter. So, you know, I make money on the turns. There's mm-hmm. a lot of traders that make money on the trends. I make money on the turns, you know, identifying it quickly and then getting positioned. You know, I don't stick around long in a lot of these trades, but I do stick around sometimes. Uh, people asking me when I'm talking about cash, I'm always 100. I'm always hedged in my trading account. It means I'm, I'm equal long, equal short. I'm trying to balance it out. If I got a million bucks worth of longs, I got a million bucks worth of shorts. That's my trading overnight account. It's trades market neutral, trying to you know just minimize market risk as much as I can. My long-term account is long only. That's my long-term investing account. And I like to talk that stuff because that's stuff you guys can, you know, like follow me on. I mean, these little trades and stuff, I'm in and out. That stuff I don't really talk as much. I don't talk mm-hmm. at all. You know, I'll talk strategy, but I'm not talking specifics because one, I don't want to talk my trading book. I don't want to be buying something, you know, and I might sell it later today and actively talking. I don't talk that. But, you know, when I'm buying something for my long-term account, I let you guys know because it's my opinion that, you know, I kind of like this here. I let you know Disney, it's been a bad one. I mean, yeah. you know, I bought Disney. Yeah. I started buying at 125. About more like 110, about more like 104, and I'm like bag holding the thing. Do I think yeah. Disney is a good long-term holding? I do. I think Disney eventually turns it around. But, you know, in the short run, it's been a pretty ugly trade hey. for me. It's been a lot. Anything that I've bought in a long-term account the last three months with the market going lower, I'm pretty much down. And there's very few stocks I'm going to be up in that I've bought in the last three months. Obviously, I bought some stocks a decade ago, and I'm up significant mm-hmm. in those. So, you know, I'm always just, you know, adjusting. So I was up, I was at, at one point in time, I was 53 or 54% cash in the long-term account. I'm down to 39, I think now. So I've brought it down where I've bought stocks. And the recent stocks I bought, I bought Meta, you know, uh, a week ago. I bought, <clears throat> trying to think, I bought Marvell Technology yesterday, MRVL. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought Micron, but I was early on that one. I mean, I'm picking up some technology companies that, you know, I think are getting to reasonable valuations. Um, You know, I own Google. You know, I went through my long-term portfolio a little while ago. And you could do that as an exercise too, Joel. Like, Joel has a long-term portfolio as well. And it's got I haven't added anything. But you're, like, so nimble, Dennis. Like, you like you, you, you take it down to that. I mean, I'm pretty much I'm, – I'm pretty much all in, you know. I mean, I have – whatever my cash position is, whether or not – You're never – you never really go like – Yeah. No, it's – um. No, you're 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 super nimble on that and timing the market and like I, I did a little bit during during COVID, 
I mean, there are certain times, but it's just, I mean, it's, it, no, it, it's, you're, you're, you're so nimble and you are so in tune, uh, you know, the rotations. It's just, it's really a difficult thing to do. When it, you're sitting uh, here, you've got an edge over everyone else. When you're putting in an eight hour day sitting at your desk, you get a feel. When you're trading the same stocks, and I'm not trading like these small caps, you know, social crap, media yeah. darlings. You know, like I trade in the mega caps, the big caps. That's where most of my trades are occurring. And you get a feel. You get a feel for when, you know, it feels like it's turning because you're picking on the same stocks. I mean, and, and you know, the charts help us too. I mean, you know, Amazon, for instance, we knew there's major support at 100 bucks. That's the old 2000. Look how many times it bottomed or just above 100, Joel. I mean, yeah. May 101, and then June 101, 101, 102. And then it gets down on just three days ago, 102 again. I mean, these major support levels, and it's the reason I struck on Marvel. MRVL, if you look back, and I sold it higher, so I wanted to eventually get my shares back, um, and, and I am. I mean, look back to, you know, 2021, $40 was a major level on this. The thing was 90, it's down to 40. You know, could it go lower? It could, absolutely. But do I want to take a shot at my long-term account at these prices? I think so. So in, in, would I take a shot on Micron? I'm already in Micron. When I add to it, I think I might actually on a pullback add to my Micron position. Nice candle. I want to go back to that Micron because I yeah. ended up doing that as the uh, as the stock of the day. I believe, man, so long ago. What's this Wednesday? So it was it was Friday that that was disaster, right? Uh, yeah, that was on Friday yep. with the report. Yep. Yeah, Thursday and, night, and then Friday would be the reaction. Yeah, right. Right. And you and uh and what the basis of the article, the pre-market prep stock of the day was is you know, you said can stocks go up on bad news? You know, can they can they shrug things off? Well, it didn't go green that day. You know, that's always a big at you know, it it's very hard for that, you know, to let the company comes out and says something. But look what it did yesterday. I mean, now the question and then you know, and it's also with the market, you know, you know, nice bounce, can it hold? You know, we're we're in the red just a little bit today, mm -hmm. coming in uh, you know, holiday, you know, a little bit slower trading. But you know, now you gotta you gotta level the lead on here. I mean, even if you want to take a put, you know, it's five bucks from the low, but if you're taking a shot at fifty-six here, or maybe wait for a little bit of a pullback under fifty-five, fifty-four and a half, at least you gotta level the lead on now, right? As before. You know, after the report, you didn't know if it was going. I mean, it would have been nice to bring it in at 50. I think it did trade under 50 in the pre market trading, though. So uh, it's just to look at Micron. It, it's actually not, now, yeah, it's above where it was on Thursday. Don't want to pull us too far away from this. Uh, Dennis, if but, you have something to add. Yeah, I just want to add on Micron. When stocks stop going down on bad news, write it down, that's guys. That's a sign that they're oversold. So that's a I sticky mean, note right there. And and we and we were saying, you know, I said it on the Micron report. It went down, and then it went green, and then it came back to the red. But it never really went down hard, and that was terrible guidance from Micron. But there was mm -hmm. a lot of bad news priced into that. Okay. So I mean, a lot of the bad news already priced in, and that's what we need to see this earnings season. Because again, this is the one thing that keeps me with a lot of cash. We're coming into an earnings season, and I think the earnings are not going to be good. I think you're going to see some earnings warnings, and that's you know scaring me. I think you could see a rally ahead Lower of the CPI number. But once we start getting to the Amazons and the Apples, you get some warnings from the big guns. Those stocks could get hit. So that's a consideration. But you got to start seeing reactions that, okay, the earnings weren't great, but they weren't that bad. And then they start buying them. That's your signal that, hey, maybe, you know, we do have, you know, the potential that, you know, a bottom could be forming or a bottom might be in. My crown's reversal yesterday was a nice trading action after, you know, the washout low, say it on Friday, when everybody's like, oh, my gosh, the cut guides, I'm just out of this. And, and, you know, and that's a capitulatory event. It doesn't have to show up always just, you know, as a huge down 20%. People think capitulations like this, that's got to be down 20%. It doesn't have to show up like that. It can just be, you know, that selling, steady selling, and then you get a pretty good candle. But, you know, it's just like the volume spike, the earnings, and everybody's just like the, the last the weak hands are just finally out of it. So I would buy Micron on a pullback here. I think there's a possibility that that $51 level that we saw two days ago could end up being your 2022 low on it. Is it, am I right? Who the hell knows? You know, all you are is taking shots and making calls. If yeah. I, and I, like I said before, if I was right a hundred percent of the time, I'd have all the money in the world. So you can't, you know, be right 100% of the time, but I only have to be right 51% of the time. And if I'm cutting my losers, 
you know, and, and letting my winners ride a little bit. I can be wrong more than I'm right and still make money. So all about that discipline, all about diversification, 100%. all about taking shots, small bats, and, and, you know, and hopefully, you know, you're right more than you're wrong. All right, we'll start moving on. We'll get into crypto. One thing I would say also that I did see in ARKK is keep your eyes on the biotechs. They have been really strong. Uh, ARKK names like CRISPR, Fate, Beam, a uh, huge day yesterday, all over yep. 10%. So keep these on your radar. The biotechs have been hot. And an area where sometimes you see that first kind of push go into is healthcare. And I'm also seeing technology. So those are the two sectors, at least from my eyes, that I'm watching industry specific. Um, we did see kind of yesterday uh, software application names um, get a nice boost. Uh, names like Asana, uh, names like HubSpot, uh, those kind of names. Snow had a really good day. Uh, Unity. Um, so keep those on your radar. Like always, look for the rotation. Um, that's what Dennis is definitely pointing out here. Rotation, rotation, rotation. And staying on this is a, a good way to kind of catch those, those turnarounds. So we'll see what happens there. Let's keep going. Let's go towards some crypto talk. I know that a lot of people were mentioning this earlier. Let's go into what's happening here with crypto uh, brokerage Voyager Digital here. Uh, they're filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. The filing lists assets between $1 billion and $10 billion in liabilities in the same range. The company said it had roughly $1.3 billion in crypto on its platform and holds over $350 million in cash on behalf of its customers at the New York Metropolitan uh, Metropolitan. Commercial bank here. We strongly believe in the future of the industry, but the prolonged volatility in the crypto markets and the default of three arrows capital require us to take this decision action. This is decisive action. And that's from Voyager CEO, Stephen Ehrlich. Um, and that's that's crazy because I feel like the writing's been on the wall here for a little bit here on a lot of the crypto platforms. I think it's something that we've been pointing to. But yeah. if you haven't been kind of keeping up with the news, it could have been a very sad morning today reading that. I mean, so the first one was this stable coin, and I don't follow this stuff at all. Um, you know, I don't have any of my money. Obviously, I had a little bit of Bitcoin, which I still got a little legacy position there. Um, and I had some Ethereum, but I had sold it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't follow this story on any of this stuff, but I know in that stable coin, the one that was supposed to be pegged to the U.S. dollar and it collapsed to zero. I mean, that's a sign that, hey, none of this stuff is safe. So now you start seeing like the runs and people want to get their money out. And then all of a sudden you got like bank runs on these cryptocurrencies and then one falls and then another one falls. Now Voyager falls. I don't know what the difference between any of these things are. All I know is if you're getting, you know, you're getting a high interest rate in some of these things. When you're getting 8, 9, 10% yields in a 1% or 2% environment, there is always risk. Don't kid yourself. There is always risk. None of that is risk-free. I think some people are learning that the hard way today. I mean, people are asking, you know, am I going to get my money back out of Voyager? Well, it's going to go through a bankruptcy. Whatever's left, you know, maybe you're going to get a piece of it back. Who knows? Um, the, the odds are you're probably not going to get all your money back. So I don't know anything about this, though. Again, I just know when you go through a bankruptcy, Sometimes there's something left, you know, the customers are there. Sometimes there's something left, sometimes there's not. There's some liabilities there. So who knows, but not fun day if you've got your money invested in any of the stuff. <clears throat> Definitely not a fun day. Let's go ahead. We can shift on over. Let's get on out of the crypto area. Let's talk about DoorDash falling, uh, uh, shares falling in the pre-market following a report of Amazon stake in Grubhub. So, uh, this is an interesting deal here. Amazon will acquire warrants that work out to 2% stake in Grubhub, and they can acquire warrants representing an additional 13% stake if certain performance uh, obligation pertaining to customer acquisition are met. Um, so big, big day there. Uh, Amazon stepping up to the plate. Never want Amazon coming into your pool. Um, mm -hmm. and this, we've seen this before. I mean, obviously, um, an investment in, uh, into Grubhub or whatever it's called now, um, is going to hit not only Dash, I would think Uber's trading down too. Yes, it is. Uber would be trading down with this because they got the Uber Eats. Nope. So Dash, your direct hit down 6.88%. Uber down 3.2% on this. 
Sometimes these are opportunities to get in. I mean, one thing to consider is that Dash was up big yesterday. So I think you'll have the short saying, thank you very much. I'm going to you know, cover in here. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if these actually bounce back because we didn't talk too much about it. But growth has moved back into favor here, at least in the short term, especially after today. So I wouldn't be surprised, especially on even on Uber more so than Dash because it's not a pure play. I think you'll see buyers actually on the dip on Uber on this. It's been historically, Joel, and you can probably back me up on this. It's been historically a buying opportunity when your stock gets hit because Amazon comes in. I mean, remember that one day, what was it like? Was it Target? When, when, remember when Amazon bought Whole Foods? It wasn't like Costco was down like 50 Kroger. points that day and Kroger was Kroger, down. Yeah. And they ended up all coming back. So, not immediately. Not, not immediately. immediately. Yep. Yep. But historically, yep. it's been more of a buying opportunity than a selling opportunity. So I'm not jumping into Dash here, but would I be so inclined to maybe buy Uber on this pullback? Maybe. Not long term, but as a trade, maybe. I'll just give you a buy zone here, and it's actually nowhere near it because of the big rally that we had yesterday. Uh, 65.69. I mean, that was yesterday's low. That's another four bucks. Um, it doesn't look or feel like they're going to get it there because they didn't even get anywhere. I mean, you know, the news hit, right? Maybe if they say it on CNBC a couple more times, but I, you know, this had a big rally yesterday. So people probably got squeezed on it. And, um, now I was off on the mid range there. The mid range is lower than that. Um, let me get rid of that. What was the low? The low was, uh, let's just call it 57. What was it? 10 point. Oh no. 18, 9, you know, add 9 to 60, you know, 67, 68. But just the way it's looking now, it doesn't look like the Bears are going to get it down that low. Um, and then you're right, you know, uh, Whole Foods, I remember Kroger. It took a while, uh, but those did come back. If you want to wait and buy this thing on strength, you know, you got the pair of highs here, and then you got the high from yesterday. This just cost 75 bucks if you want to wait to buy it on strength. Next. All right, let's keep going. Let's get into the next topic here. We're at Microsoft uh, here, 69 billion acquisition takeover facing competition probe in the UK here. You're talking about uh, the Activision? Yeah, Activision. Yeah. And so uh, this is going to be something definitely to keep on watch. Uh, do, do we start getting fight back on this deal here? You're not uh, seeing it down much. We all knew they were going to look at this deal. This wasn't rocket science. If you're expecting, mm-hmm. you know, this huge yeah. whoosh down. Oh, my gosh, they're looking at Activision. We knew they were going to review this. There was no it, yep. doubt they were going to review this. It's not surprising that it's down a little bit on it, but it was down even more this morning. And that's just people um, where to bring up the Activision chart. This won't affect Microsoft it- whatsoever. This affects Microsoft zero. There will be no movement off Microsoft on this, but it will affect Activision, Blizzard, ATVI. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so they get down to 7780. So you're down a buck. And that's just algos overreacting to the news. Oh my gosh, they're looking, sell, sell, sell. And yeah, we're going to look at this deal. We all knew they were going to look at this deal. So could it be down 78? It could. Is the deal going to go through? That's a big question. They have till September 1st, apparently, now here to give their like first analysis of this. That's a long time away, so we're not going to get any more information for a while on this. We All we know is that they're reviewing it. The one thing to consider, which we've said, is you know some of these game makers have been hit. So, I mean, if Activision Blizzard does deal does fall apart, it's probably 20 bucks down. It's not probably where it was prior to the deal, which was around 63. I think it would probably maybe even take out the low of the move. I think 55 to 56 if the deal doesn't go through. If it does go through, your upside's like to that $95 price. So the risk garbs are kind of putting a, not a 50-50 on it, a little bit skewed actually to the deal going through. But it, you never know how these things are going to work out if it's going to go through. Deal or no deal, hard to say what the regulators think. Uh, I'll just say, you know, three, you know, three pretty influential people, three pretty, well, two of them have been guests on the show. We're still working on Warren Buffett uh, to get him on the show. Uh, Gene Munster thinks the deal's going through and Michael Pachter thinks the deal going through. And Warren uh, Buffett it, invested in it prior to the deal. So he's true. confident he just wants to own the company. And that's one thing to consider too, is, you know, maybe it's, you know, it, it's not an, it's not a ridiculously expensive stock. It's not like you trained 50 times earnings for Activision Blizzard. So I think what it was a trading, what, 16 or 18 times? I'm going off my head, so I might be wrong, um, you know, prior to the deal. So, you know, maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe it just goes back to 55, 60. So I think it's 50, 50, whether the deal goes through or not. And the risk arbs just keep holding it here. 
as obviously we, we analyze that risk. I mean, if the market comes back, it moves a little bit with the market because that's bringing up the EA and the take two. And those are your direct competitors. So, you know, analyzing your risk, you got to look at the charts of EA and take two. They're off the lows too, though. Some of these gamers have come back as well from the lows. All right, let's keep going. Let's go towards the lockup story that's uh, expiring today, which would be Carvana. Um, there's about 10.23 million shares expiring on July 6th. So uh, just keep watch today. It just had a huge run into this move. I could be setting up for a play today. What do you think happened there, Dennis? Oh, they squeezed them. This is Crowded <laughs> Trades 101. Everybody get short ahead of the lockup expiration. I was working for a few days, but then if you stick around too long, Sometimes they stick it to you, and that's yep. what they did. They stuck it to the shorts yesterday. I mean, we saw it off the hop, and that's why I tweeted it out. When the ARKK was trying to hold, you know, it was just slightly in the red, and the S&Ps were getting hammered, and I was like, you could see some growth tax unity starts going green. I'm like, you could start seeing that, hey, this was going to be a growth growthy type of day. I tweeted out at like 9.45 yesterday that ARKK was holding up well, and I tweeted again. Um, You could just feel that it was going to be one of those days where value was going to be out of favor and growth was going to be in favor. Um, Mm -hmm. This obviously, you know, it's whether it goes bankrupt or not, who knows? I'm not commenting on that. But you could kind of see the setup yesterday for a vicious short squeeze and growth names. And then you had a real setup in Carvana because you have people who are short ahead of the lockup expiration, a known date. Sometimes these known dates get very crowded trades. And people who were shorting that ahead of that lockup expiration absolutely got hammered yesterday. So on pullbacks here, those shorts that are caught from yesterday, hoping that today's you know lockup expiration will bail them out, will be looking for a buying opportunity. So I don't think this is coming back into 24, 25 anytime soon. Nope. I think the squeeze is still on. Okay. And how about like a big fund? You know, no, like they sit this thing out like the entire time, right? And they get, you know, probably sitting on good amounts of cash, maybe not one fund, two funds, three funds. And they go, you know, let's just jam it today. And they get going higher highs, you know, a little bit. They take, oh, let's take a little, little break at 23. Ah, oh, 23 is the top. Boom, 24. Take a little break at 24. Boom, 25. Probably a big volume day. So down Huge one, volume yeah, down. down uh, let's see. One, what was the volume two, yesterday? This is a good almost exercise. 20. 20 mil it, yesterday. What's the lockup expiration here? The total amount of shares 10, today? 10.2. 10.2. So half of yesterday's volume. And they're not all selling. No. It doesn't mean just because no. they can sell doesn't mean every single person sells. Not at all. So maybe get a couple million worth of selling today. Because people, you know, there's going to be some buyers too, though. And those buyers are going to be those shorts who are getting squeezed right now. I think the squeeze is on in Caravan. A lot of people think it's going bankrupt. It very well might go bankrupt. I've been, I've said that it's a possibility when the debt starts trading higher. Yeah. It's possible, but nothing goes straight to zero. And I'll tell you, people who think shorting stocks is easy would have a hard lesson in Caravan yesterday because shorting stocks is not easy. No, it's all about timing a lot of the yeah, time. Yes, 100% and, um, timing. One of the things that can always happen to you is moments like this where uh, some something comes in on in. It's like I, I got out of my CarMax short. Um, I was looking at CarMax short for a little while there. Um, was able to make a, a reward one, but got out of it once I started realizing how strong Carvana was. Um, you have to know what's going on in the industry because if you don't, you could easily get caught. Next thing you know, your stock's pushing on up because – Another stock is squeezing here and a lot of stocks are starting to get higher and higher short interest as this environment continues. That's going to leave more and more room to some rips to the upside, especially biggest volume day since uh, May 16th. The the idiot money managers that come on CNBC, they're all talking about, you know, they've all moved on to value. Yeah, you got to be in value in these growth stocks. They're so late. They're so dumb. (laughs) I mean, and and there are some smart ones. Don't kid yourself. But the majority of these money managers, that's why 90% of them don't beat the market because they're dumb. That's so dumb no, money. No, no value now? No, It's dumb money, man. (laughs) And they come on and they're talking, you know, and they're and then. I, I don't remember where I was. What were you talking about right before that? Because I lost my train of thought. We were, here we're talking point. about how at the end of the day, uh, there's a lot of short squeezing on up there. There's a lot of uh, opportunity on the downside. We're seeing a lot of things getting hit, but the rotation's what matters there. I think you're pointing yeah. out how there was a money some manager. people are talking about rotation to value here. It's the opposite yeah, of what the, we're talking the, about. Well, and that might be the case, but I mean, there was a money manager on CNBC who was talking about, well, you know, we're going into a recession here. It's time to put on some hedging trades. I was like, 
what the hell are you talking about, man? You're going to hedge now? We just fell 33%, 35% on the Qs. We're down 23% plus on the S&P. You're down 80 90% on some of these stocks. Now you're going to hedge? This is like backwards, man. You had to hedge six months ago. I'm taking my hedges off. I'm adding positions. I mean, you guys are so far behind everyone, these money managers on CNBC. There is some good ones. Don't kid yourself. Some fantastic money managers out there. We had one of them on the show yesterday. But most of them are just stupid. And, I mean, you're you're coming on and you're putting on hedging trades now. It's like that one commercial. Oh, the market's down. I got to go put some hedging trades on. It's too late when the market's down. You can put the hedging (laughs) trades on before the market goes down. You don't hedge at the bottom. You don't start selling out and like shorting stocks at the bottom. You sell them when the good times are there. So, I mean, this is this market, though. This is what the market is. I mean, it's full of dumb money. It's why if you're in the market and you take your time to get educated, there are edges. There's good traders out there like Christian Fromherz that make money every single year because, you know, they're reading, you know, and they're, and, and they're understanding. And, you know, they've got their systematic approach to the markets. And it's tough to call the markets. But, I mean... You got to like anticipate risk. It's no good to see the risk and then put on the hedging trade. You've got to anticipate the risk coming. And this writing was on the wall for the, the gift of all gifts. I mean, the Fed laid it all out for us, you know, back in November, December. I mean, we knew 2022, they're going to be raising rates. Oh, and everybody says, oh, well, we went through raising before. We'll just make new all-time highs again. No, we never went through this with inflation. We haven't seen inflation like this in 40 years. This is a completely different animal, and nobody knows how this thing ends. You know, I'm saying the RKK 2022 low may be in. I could be dead wrong on that. You could be. You could, could be. be. Hey, we're up against. Hey, Dennis, I'm, we got I'm our guest. So we got our far, guest. We got our guest in the go background here. All right, let's go, go ahead. Let's continue on. Let's get into the commodities talk here. Uh, let's go ahead. We're going to go towards our special guest on the day here. Uh, this is Al Kleiss here, director of Kleiss Commodity Advisors. Let's bring him on here. Welcome to the show, Al. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite again. All right. Uh, Great to have you. We had a a very technical trader on yesterday, and I know you do your technicals. This man does his technicals by hand, right? Several charts every day, man. You can't let the the internet. So this is, uh, he's also uh, very familiar with the farming industry, and we're going to talk fundamentals. We are. Look at these. He's breaking those charts out for us. There there, you go, baby. I love it. I love it, Al. Love it. All right. You know, that's just a great exercise, though, because when I write something down, you really get it put into your head. Exactly. I mean, I and I and I, Al, I and I want I'm, I want to just ask you that question too. Like, why why do you write it down? Like, I write stuff down because I really pound it into my head. But why do you still do it that way? Which just because it works for you, maybe. It, it tends to stick with it. And uh, yep. I learned this method from a retired executive from Cargill over 45 years ago. Uh, I probably couldn't see the charts real clearly. I chart one week red, one week black. It lets me see patterns. Also, it lets me set up objectives and all kinds of things that it just kind of gets ingrained in your head. I also have a whole series of rules I write out and try to keep track of on a daily basis. And when I stick with my rules, I tend to do well. When I get too smart and stop following my rules, then I get my head handed to me. So it's a, it's it's all about discipline, about mm-hmm. cutting your losses and trying to manage risk in an intelligent way. It's like one of the other speakers said, you can be wrong 51% of the time, but if you minimize your losses, you can still be profitable. All right, so let's get to the U.S. Uh, USDA reports. We had those on uh, June 30th, and uh, we'll to go through the individual reports. I can show some of the charts, and then you can. We got to we got to talk inflation and the implications for these for inflation. So, where do you want to start out on the U.S. USDA reports? Uh, we'll just kind of uh, take an overview of the numbers. Uh, they're you know uh, old now because when the survey was taken and the market reaction to it. But uh, generally, there's two major reports that come out at the end of June. One is the uh, planted acreage report. How many acres do we have planted for corn, soybeans, and wheat in the United States? There's 12 principal crops. We tend to really focus on corn and soybeans. We do our own surveys as a firm, and the, the numbers came in very close to what we thought. There was more corn than what the trade had expected and about 2 million acres less soybeans. And so you would think, wow, that's really friendly to soybeans. 
the other major report that comes out that day, in addition to prospective planting, is the quarterly grain stocks report. And that report came in very close to trade estimates, but it was also showed that our inventories in the bin held by farmers and grain elevators of both corn and soybeans were larger than last year in the June 30 report, and yet prices were substantially higher. So in the last few days, uh, we have really corrected the grain markets extremely hard as we begin to factor in that we're not gonna run out of uh, corn, we're not gonna run out of soybeans. And especially in soybean oil, we are seeing the effects of higher prices. We've recently had some crush reports from the NOPA, National Oil Seed Processing Association, showing less soybeans being crushed than expected. And at the same time, the inventories of soybean oil have been going down. And so the, the veg oil markets, whether you look at palm oil, soybean oil, canola, boy, they've really gotten pounded as we see people begin eating out less and using less fried food and less soybean oil. So we are seeing, I think, some real demand destruction start to occur. You've taken soybean oil, from over 90 cents a pound to today trading down to about 55 cents a pound. Let wow. me bring up the current chart. And uh, that has really taken a lot off the value of a bushel of soybeans. And so uh, 60 cents right now in the July, the nearby. So you've went from 90 cents a pound to 60 cents a pound. Wow. And so that really taken a lot off the soybean market. It's unbelievable to me too, uh, looking at the wheat market that we're now lower on Chicago and KC wheat futures than before the day before Russia invaded uh, Ukraine. And so this whole war premium, the whole inflation premium has really popped. The bubble is bust and uh, we're seeing where the people that were disciplined in our industry put on hedges on new crop, uh, finally got a lot of their, their margin money back. Okay, so the other important thing for uh, the grains and the commodities is the weather, right? And you got to be a weatherman. I, 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 I probably could have been a weatherman. I'm pretty good at it. But uh, give us an update on the global rain fundamentals. Uh, the U.S. is where we're really focused on right now, U.S. and uh, European weather, as we're looking at the North American continent and also the, the weather in China, all northern hemisphere crops. And overall, uh, the weather pattern has really improved. We really had some planting delays in April and May. Uh, then we had some extremely hot weather. I live in Minneapolis. We had the fifth hottest June uh, in history. But all of a sudden, in the last couple of weeks, we've had beautiful rain temperatures in the mid 80s. So the crop conditions have improved. We're about five to seven days behind in terms of our crop development, but we have went from maybe having 172, 174 bushel corn to now I think the potential for 177 to 180 bushel yield. So it just totally the pendulum has really swung. Soybeans are really made in the month of August, but uh, right now we've got great crop development in the soybeans and so we have went from having a real skepticism about the potential yield. In Europe, they've had record heat. Uh, certainly the, the wheat crop, the crops in Germany, and especially in France are smaller than other years, but they're still a very decent crop they're harvesting. And Russia uh, has had very favorable weather. There's gonna have some challenges with exports, but they could have a record wheat crop in Russia this year, which could potentially mean a lot of wheat exports from that country. So you've taken wheat, Joel, from over $13 a bushel right now with Chicago wheat trading down to $8.30 a bushel. So again, we've taken about 35% off of the wheat market and veg oil market just in the last six weeks. Wow. All right. So uh, commodities, right? They're supposed to be an inflation hedge. Can you, can you use the futures markets? I mean, it looks like it was a a good hedge at some point. Uh, hopefully, all the farmers were su uh, selling on the way up here and locking in some profits. But uh, what about discuss using uh, futures as an inflation hedge? Uh, in theory, it can be a good inflation hedge. You have to be aware, though, the seasonal nature of the grain markets. Generally, we've had high prices, and as a firm, we've tended to be very disciplined selling cash grains and putting on new crop hedges in May and June. I don't ever like to have any corn in the bin after the 4th of July, and that usually has been a good rule. If I want to try to be buying 
you know, grains as an inflation hedge, I think you have to be very strategic in when you do it. And generally, the last several years, we've put bottoms in the grain markets between the end of August and first part of October. Uh, when a repairman came into my office and showed me that he had a corn futures in his trading account on May 5th, I knew, God, if that isn't a sell signal, I've never seen one. And uh, boy, he got his head handed to him. <laughs> <laughs> the old repairman indicator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. So you just mentioned it a little bit there uh, with the farmers. When you when you talk about the wheat and the soybeans and these commodities, when they have these just blasts up like this, you know, logically you think it's like hedging. Like, man, why not? Let, you know, the futures contracts go out, what, a year or more? Oh, in no, some four of the years, Joe. Four years. Four? Four years. We have stuff sold ahead for 23 and 24. Oh, and a lot of 22. Mm-hmm. Right. So when they when they come back down, you know, they're not buying it back. Right. They don't want it because they have the they have the physical. But from what it sounds like, some of these farmers got greedy. How the how the farmers doing out there? How are you uh, they're doing, doing? They're doing very well. Uh, certainly we see a huge difference. I have some friends that are in ag lending in the profitability of farms. Some guys got sold up way too early, too soon. Some are just like froze and didn't do anything but the the larger farmers have become more sophisticated we have a lot of the customers we work with that had between 30 and 50 percent of the crop hedged and we're underwater in all honesty with some of those but right near the top we also bought a boatload of put options which helped us so between hedges and puts we were able to get 70 to 90 percent of the crop locked in at some very high historic profit levels and those things will be golden we also have some really good profits uh sold ahead for the 2023 corn and soybeans uh it looked lower it was a slight discount i mean the 23 futures were not as high as the fall of 22 but again it's a spreadsheet decision if you've got your land costs locked in and you can go out and be locking in 150 to 200 dollars an acre bottom line profit the question shouldn't be if you do it the only question joel should be what percent of your crop do you do okay all right so we talked talked about the u.s farmers and obviously we have a a global situation how are the farmers doing in the ukraine this year and how much would they be able to to harvest and, and export in 2022 and 2023 very tough question. Uh, first of all, the farmers there have gotten way more crop planted and ready to harvest than we dreamt possible in the February, March time period. They've been out there with flak jackets on. Uh, they have to have uh, teams of people go in and remove some of the missiles from there. Uh, they have uh, trouble with the Russians stealing their diesel fuel. So despite all these problems, they're still going to have about two thirds of a normal wheat harvest at about half of the normal corn harvest, their sunflower crop will be down significantly. The problem they're running into is that with the blockade of the Black Sea ports, they can't get rid of the grain. That grain all backs up into the interior market. So you're gonna have a harvest that's starting right now and expanding over the next month. Where are you gonna put the grain? Where are you gonna store it? A lot of this unfortunately thing is gonna have to be parked outside where it's subject to rain and other events, but uh, they have a, a crop that's smaller than last year. Uh, they, we're exporting five or six million metric tons a month out of the Black Sea ports. If they put it on a train and go into Europe with it, it's only about a third, a fourth of what they were able to export. So that it's a logistical problem that is really uh, challenging for many people, for the end users and for the farmers in Ukraine. All right, so let's let's put it all together, Al. And uh, the, these pr- these prices have come in. Uh, crude just came in uh, recently. Uh, I know it's hard unless you have a crystal ball when they take the CPI data, um, and that's what the market's worried about: higher interest rates, runaway inflation. How long do you think it's going to take that these decline in in the commodity prices to filter through? Um, you know, to the rest of the economy, to the producer price index. When do you think we're going to see a little let up in inflation? If so, when? There's your lag time, Joel, of yeah. minimum three up to six months. And so Ooh. the fact that we've turned the grain markets, especially wheat and veg oil, two very important components for food, uh, lower. And we've taken cattle futures recently sharply lower. So if we tipped over in the grain markets in June, 
possibly as early as September, but I would say definitely by Q4, we'll start to see moderation in food prices. Actually, we could see some of the price of flour and soy oil, those important ingredients uh, begin to decline. But from, when these guys are loaded up with expensive inventory, guess what? They don't drop their prices as soon as they can. And so, but eventually I think as we're in a competitive type market, you will see, I think moderating food prices and that will definitely benefit the CPI by the time we get to September and for sure, Joel, by the fourth quarter of this year. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and jump on in here. One of the things that we historically see is some seasonality coming into play with corn and soybeans, um, sometimes in late spring, early summer. I'm wondering if we're seeing seasonality more coming into play here in the commodities, or is it truly kind of uh, that demand destruction finally starting to hit? No, it's it's seasonality, a very good point. Uh, that they, If you look at it very often, I've got several key dates circled on my long-term charts. The last week of August has pretty consistently been a, a very key week that I watch for a low. And then also for the people that are end users, I've got circled the first week of October. So sometime between August and October for livestock farms, feed mills, that type of thing, we're on the buy side. And that seasonality really works. And this year, because we are at such high historic price levels, it, it's just been, you take the stairs up and you take the elevator down and it's been a pretty brutal ride down. It's not gonna stay down forever. This is setting up to be for wheat processors, flour mills, livestock farmers to be an excellent buy. I personally think that we start in August and we have 12 month supply locked in by the first week of October. Paul, thank you for joining us here. Al Kleist, Managing Director of Kleist Commodity Advisors. I appreciate you coming on and we'll definitely have you back, Al. Thanks for the invite. Look forward to working with you in the future. All right, All right. there we go. Touching some commodities there. Let's uh, start wrapping Very on informed. up. We've got about nine minutes. I love that conversation. I love to, the old school charts. Too. Information. I mean, some of these guys that have been around for a long time in the markets, you can pick their brains and extract a lot of good information from them. I love the way he writes it all down because it pushes like I do the same thing. I write mm -hmm. down every single like I got the list and I've always got the stocks, you know, and everything I want to trade for the day. I'm writing it down because, you know, what, you remember it better. And, you know, I always write down what's reporting earnings this week. I always know all the stocks. I'm in an earnings season. I have like two pages, you know, of stocks. But I think there's a lot to that. I mean, it's, you know, old school maybe and people don't like writing stuff down. But I really feel like you get it in there. When you write it down so i like yeah. that too you'll know a trader when you see a, a pen and paper next to the the desk there uh always writing some everything stuff i'm down. writing everything i know joel does the same too with his stars and his support levels and i think that's something that you'll see a lot of traders do is that they write things down to try to help themselves i know i used to put a, a bunch of like sticky notes all around Helps. <laughs> but it, it definitely helps. And especially yeah. if there's specific things you want to remember mentioned there, but Al said uh, there's some certain dates that he's looking at and he always keeps them close to remind him, Hey, we're, we're approaching that date. Maybe some seasonality coming into play here. Uh, something definitely to keep on watch. All right, guys, let's go ahead. Let's wrap on up here. We can talk a little bit about the mortgage rates. I don't know if you guys want to get into some housing talk or maybe say some stocks from the chat. Uh, so if you guys want have a stock to kind of talk about, throw it up in the chat. We can definitely hit some uh, ticker time. Uh, but we, we could go really quickly. Let's talk about uh, housing here. Average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage rate com uh, conforming loan balances at 647200 or less fell from 5.74% uh, to 5.74% from 5.84%. Um, one of the things that we're starting to see is the applications for refinancing, of course, dropping big, 8% yeah. in a week. Um, they're down 78% the same week one year ago. Home purchase applications also fell for the week down 4% and 17% year over year. Um, it's something definitely to keep on watch how this interest rate hike rate is really going to affect the housing market. Well, we know, and we've been talking about this for a while. You're going to see some demand, you know, you're going to see demand coming down here and you're starting to see supply go up and people are going to be a little more challenged to make those payments on, on some of the, you know, some, some houses for sure. 
you know, you could see more defaults coming, but it doesn't show up immediately. We've talked about that as well. As higher interest rates go, first people max out their credit card debt, then they max out their personal lines of credit. You know, then they stop buying or maybe sell a couple toys. You know, they it, it, it takes a while for it to start to really feed down to the housing, but um, people just afford a lot less house when rates are up here. The, the one thing and to understand, though, is the Fed isn't raising rates and keeping them up here forever. They're raising rates to try to tackle the inflation. They will bring them down quickly if we obviously get inflation in check. So that's something to consider as well. I don't mm-hmm. think the rates are coming up here and staying up here for the next decade. And when it's the new norm that we're going to 5 6 7 8% rates and we're going to be here forever. I do believe the Fed will try to bring them down as quickly as possible as well. But we got to get the inflation in check. You know, it's scary when Al's saying that there's a lag, you know, and we're starting to see commodity prices come down. But there's a lag. And maybe it doesn't show up in this month's data. Um, I keep thinking, you know, it's going to eventually start showing up. And it is because you're starting to see commodities coming down. You're starting to see a little bit of demand destruction across the board. So it's got to bring some prices in. But some prices are sticky and labor prices are sticky. So that's, you know, everything to consider eventually housing stocks are going to be a buy as well but to come in here and say yeah this is the bottom i don't know they've had a pretty good rally in the last week though like lennar toll they're, they're they're popping up here in the last week well still historically sure that is historically rates are still kind of are, are low i know it's For hard sure to, they are it's hard to say that you know with uh you know because how low they were but still, on a you know, uh, you know, if you if you if you if you saved your money and you made you know made some good investments and stuff, there's some deals out there now. And then you know, so you know, maybe you're paying a higher rate, right? But a house that you're going to pay eight fifty for, you're paying six fifty for. It hasn't fallen it, that far, but I, like right, in a fifty five thousand. But that can happen. That yes. that eventually is where we're probably heading. Yes. That 850 house could eventually be 650. So I think yep. that 850 house, you know, is now like 750 in my area. It's come down. Right. But it hasn't. But again, these 850 houses were 400 three or four years ago. So I mean, we're just giving back. It seems like everything's just given back the COVID bubble. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we had the, you know, yep. that, 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 like all the charts and everything. I think it's a good exercise that, you know, you see, oh, look at where it was. 100%. Where were all these stocks in, not in, in March of 2020, because we know it just that was got a, stupid. Yeah. But where were they in January of 2020? That's where we seem to want to go back to in a lot of these mm-hmm. stocks, giving back the COVID bubble. And we have done it in a lot of stocks. We're below it in some as well. But, you know, that seems to be where we want to go. Like, let's look at a square. Um, where was that? Just doing the exercise for the first time here with you, but we we're kind of back 40s? to where we were in January 2020. We've kind of almost exactly, almost exactly 61, 62, 66. We gave back the COVID bubble. Nvidia has not. I mean, and people keep jumping on Nvidia, but if we look at where we were in January 2020, we were $57, still 149. So I mean, it hasn't even come close to giving back the COVID bubble. AMD a little bit farther, but again, it was around $50. 75 could it give it all back it could if it really gets ugly i'm not sure but again some of these companies are in better positions than they were even despite you know us potentially going to a recession some of these companies are just you know in better positions than they were in, in january 2020 so i think it's a good exercise to look at where if before you buy a stock in your long-term account look at where it was in january 2020 and look at where it is now relative to that forget about where it was in February of 2021, because that was stupid. That was mispricing. February, that was when March. S&Ps were approaching 25, 26, 27 times earnings, historical highs, like all-time highs. That was just mispricing. So now we got to like reprice everything. And you know, where is the S&P? Is it 15? Problem is that E comes down, that P starts going back up too. So that's a consideration as well. But you know, long-term investing isn't as simple as looking as where a stock was. I'm going to buy it here, and eventually it's going back there because a lot of these stocks are never getting back to where they were in February of 2021. You see the TLT? I mean, and uh, you know, this is uh, you know, it, it's come off now. I mean, it's come back t- up. Yeah, yeah. Now it's you know just another you know dead cap bounce here. But it, I mean, there this is you know we've seen this before. Some moves off the low. I mean, you had one. You had a nice one. Look at that rally that you had in uh, in twenty one. Of course, little different environment there with the markets. But then you you fell off a cliff at the end of twenty one, and then you know let's see that that June low, and now and now you're pre- you're pressing up against the June high. So 
Uh, wow, that's right. We actually exceeded the June high there. Uh, did we? Let me see. The June high in the TLT was 117.34. We got to 117.75. I would keep an eye on this for the next couple of days. It doesn't you know, necessarily have to blast off to the next monthly high, but a lot of times when you come up to this resistance area, it's like, can it make it support, right? Can it get up here and maybe one, you know, develop uh, some good support at 115 and a half or 116 and then to move up? But uh, the TLT is giving you a little ray of hope here. As there's far a as lot the- of rays of hope. The growth stocks, the TLT, you know, there's just been a lot of stocks and we're getting now the S&Ps as much as they lagged. Remember growth was selling off, growth and selling off. The S&Ps kept holding up and kept holding up because the value stocks were holding them up. You know, the S&P is a diversified portfolio, but growth tends to lead overall. Growth let us down. Growth's going to lead us out. So if you're looking here at the S&P, still kicking around near the lows. I mean, I guess we're a little bit off the lows. I think, like, it's telling me, the tea leaves are telling me that you want to be starting to nibble into stocks. I just don't think this huge bear market is coming. I think we went through it we all. Had a, we had a bear market. We have in so many stocks. You know, is the bear market over for certain sectors? No, the utility stocks were so ridiculously crowded. And what a gift last week for the XLU to be coming up there and going to $72 from 64 and giving you most of your money back. Those are sells because we have higher rates now those utility stocks are a crowded trade where people were protecting their capital. And I think yesterday's sell-off was now a slap in the face here again. I think, you know, the consumer staples are a crowded trade. I don't want to own them. There's a lot of crowded trades there, but there's a lot of other stuff that is definitely on sale. So I think some reallocation here and putting some more risk into your portfolio um, makes some sense now. Not going all in because, again, nobody knows. You know, we could go into this de- recession. People are saying depression. I mean, it could get really ugly. But I don't think the Fed, I, I don't want, I, I think the demand destruction is going to start to show up. And once it starts to show up, I think the Fed isn't going to be as hawkish. I think. Okay, we- I'm going to let you guys uh, finish up. And uh, I will, uh, I'll be back with you guys tomorrow morning. I'm going to have, uh, going to take an easy day. So everyone have a good one. Definitely something to keep on watch. You guys go check out Joel Condon on Pre-Market Prep Plus. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll wrap on up. Dennis, I'm definitely going to be watching the growth today. I think uh, one of those things I've been doing often is watching ARKK and just watching that and also watching the components in that, right? What is leading yeah. it? What is not? I think that's what I was watching yesterday. That's why I, I keep on biotechs and, and tech. Those are the areas where I'm seeing strength. Um, and it's it's in a lot of the, the cheaper names also in biotech. So I know that you, you biotech traders are a different kind of trader. I don't trade those often, but when I see relative strength, I'm definitely going to try to find it. I think Dennis is pointing definitely to some relative strength in the technology area. Uh, my question is, do, do we really start seeing it come in for semiconductors? Or right? I, I think it started yesterday. I yeah, think it started, started yesterday. A little bit. You started seeing a little bit. Micron um, is leading a little bit there because we just okay. got the report from it. I mean, AMD had a decent day. I'm long AMD, full disclosure. Bag holding from way higher levels mm-hmm. there. But a little bit of hope. NVIDIA, too, a little bit of hope. I don't think NVIDIA is going back and giving back the whole thing to 50 bucks. So I think no. at a certain point in time, NVIDIA is a buy here, too. We know I bought some Marvel, MRVL, yesterday. Just saw that 40 level. Thought it came down enough. I got a 41.50. 42.90. Um, so I almost got the low of the move, not quite. Um, but you know, I've, you know, three days is going to be lower. I mean, it's been a tough investing environment. So I've definitely made some really, you know, bad investments here in the course of 2022, being too early. You know, I might be too early here again, and maybe we're going to crash down, and maybe the CPI number is going to be hot, and we're going to crash and burn. But again, I just think that time to be all cash. I just think I think the worst on some of these stocks is behind us. Not all of the stocks. There's going to be some, you know, I don't want to own utility. I don't want to own certain things. I'm actually more aggressive to risk as opposed to like risk adverse stocks like the utilities. All right. I'm going to go ahead and wrap on up. Dennis, have a great day and continue trading, my friend. Let's go ahead. We're going to start wrapping up. I'm sorry about cutting you off there a little bit. Uh, let's go take a look here at what's for the rest of the day here. I've been trying to show this more often. Um, I, we do have one show missing here. 
you guys can yell at AB a little bit later here. Uh, but upcoming streams we got today, live option trading, of course. Um, looks like I'm going to be by myself today on live trading. So I'll try to do my best to keep the energy flowing. Uh, if you haven't checked out our YouTube shorts, check them out, guys. We've been getting a lot of views on these. A lot of them are with AB. So if you want to check these out, they're really fun. They're really short. Uh, majority of them are like about, you know, two minutes long, three minutes long. So check these out, our YouTube shorts. And then later on today at 1 p.m., we got stock market movers. Uh, of course, I'll have some experts on then and then we'll get to at the close. Um, we do have the roadmap show and um, also Benzinga Live. I'll try to get their thumbnails up there in a little bit. Um, they should be up, but check out those shows also. All right, that's going to do it for me. I'm going to get you guys on over to live trading. Smash the like button. Let's go ahead. Let's keep things going. Like always, we appreciate feedback that you guys give. We're always here to improve. Like you guys will hear me mention in the chat, um, you know, going to make some mistakes. Not going to be perfect. But one thing we will be is transparent uh, ability to say that, hey, when we drop the ball, we'll admit that we dropped the ball. And there's another thing that we'll do is keep on trying to make improvements. You guys smash the thumbs on up. Number one morning show, pre-market prep, smash the like, and I'll see you guys on over on live trading.